1: Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast Sunday Recap Show. As always, I am your host at Javanaugh 87, Jack Cavanaugh and friends, we did it. There were some bumps along the way, it was a little touch and go for a little while. Insert another cliche about how it almost didn't happen, but we made it through Sunday week four. New England KC game postponed, gives us Monday night doubleheader, and so now we have 12 games to recap from the 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock windows. So with that, joining me as always is Dr. Dynasty, John Chansey. John, how are we on this fine evening?
0: Jack, I'm not going to lie, I cannot seem to catch a break. My Sooners oh, no. let me... Yeah, I know. My Sooners, I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but my Sooners let me down my favorite soccer club, Liverpool, gave up seven goals today. I mean, I, I'm just at my wits end. My fantasy team might be in the toilet. Uh, right now, I feel like I'm the living embodiment of that meme with the dog sitting inside the burning house and saying everything is fine. And I just keep telling myself that. And maybe maybe next week everything will be fine. But right now, I need some help from my two favorite folks in fantasy to help bring my uh, my spirits back up. Oh, well, I'm so sorry to hear that, but I hope that we
1: can do you justice because you, we do love to see that smile on that beautiful face. So be sure to follow John over on Twitter at DynastyPhd and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC. And even with all the sudden changes and the rescheduling, the slate is simply too hefty for two men. And as always, we are joined by the legend himself, Nee Wallace Bruce. Nee, how are you on this beautiful evening?
2: I am good, Jack. It's a pleasure to be here. And the points seem to be flowing across the board in fantasy this weekend. So hopefully everyone is able to put out a team, because I know that there's a postponement. Obviously, the Steelers and Titans had the week off. By-week season has come a, a week early this year. But, John, i am going to say I'm sorry to see Liverpool lose. However, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I'm kind of not sorry. So. <laughs> Oh,
1: well, yeah, the pleasure is all mine, honestly, because I get to be joined by two of the brightest minds in the fantasy football industry, so don't forget to follow me over on Instagram, at TheRealNWB, for all of his marvelous content, and with that, we roll into the games, and we all know that it's my favorite part of the show, because in my contract, it says I get to pick the first game each and every week, and this week we are rolling with MVP Russ. The Seahawks beat the Dolphins 31 to 23, a little bit closer than the score indicates, but Russ cooked the whole game, 70.6 completion rate, 360 yards, only two touchdowns though, which feels like kind of a slower day from him. And he did throw his second interception on the season, but that still puts him at a 16 to two touchdown to interception ratio. So he is absolutely fantastic. And he probably has a better day too if Chris Carson doesn't take it twice on the goal line for a touchdown. Carson was questionable heading into the game with that knee sprain, and it clearly didn't bother him. He did leave at one point to be evaluated for a concussion. Another big day from him, though. 19 touches, 100 yards total, and a score. Travis Homer didn't have the day I was expecting. Four rushes, five five yards, and a three-yard reception, which did end in a score. So love to see that for me, but disappointing to say the least in my bold predictions another big day for metcalf though who once again caught exactly four passes for the fourth week in a row topped 90 yards receiving for the fourth time this year and he finished as he finished with 106 but this was the first game he didn't score a touchdown
0: yeah so i'm, I'm wondering seeing russ cook so much um you know we've got metcalf we've got lockett but i want to know from you all uh you two what about David Moore? Is, is he for real? I mean, today he had three catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. And I'm just wondering if Russ is cooking it the way he is currently. Can this offense sustain another fantasy-relevant pass catcher? I'm skeptical, but I'm wondering what you, you two think.
2: Yeah, look, um, Doc, I was looking at David Moore uh, in week two. I, I was looking at the offense of Seattle, and I was wondering the same thing. Can Russ, on his MVP vote tour, involve another another pass catcher i feel like there's going to be weeks where it's going to be yes and there's going to be weeks where it's going to be a no so with the bye weeks here he might be useful but otherwise i'm probably going to pass because it's going to be a bit boom and bust
1: and a big part of that too was tyler lockett was a little bit banged up at points he was in and out of the lineup still looked fine when he did get the ball but he That, more than anything, contributed to David Moore's big day. But I agree, and especially in a best ball format, David Moore probably would have been great because then you don't have to figure out when to start him. Moving on to the Dolphin side of the ball, though, they just, we were right, they had to sling it. Fitzmagic, 45 attempts, 315 yards. But he also had two picks, and he didn't have a touchdown. Bailed out in fantasy, though, because he did have a rushing touchdown and led the team with 47 yards on the ground. Beat Miles Gaskin, who had 40 yards on the ground and 22 as a receiver. So just disappointing day.
0: Yeah, definitely a disappointing day. But I think we have to move the Tua watch. You know, when is Tua going to play? we got to move that meter up maybe to, from like a 5 out of 10, maybe up to a 7 out of 10. I mean, the Dolphins haven't won a game yet. Uh, however, you know, Fitzmagic probably played just well enough not to lose the job, but they have – You know, they got San Francisco coming up next week, Denver uh, the week after that on the road. I mean, a couple more bad performances from this team. I feel like we're getting closer and closer to seeing some Tua, uh, maybe in one of those two games perhaps.
1: That would be really exciting because as much fun as the beard is – it's it, he's high, vol- high volatility, he's up and down, he's a roller coaster, he's like what, what Josh Allen used to be. And unfortunately, the only Dolphins weapon to really benefit from this day was Devontae Parker. He caught 10 receptions for 110 yards. And then Isaiah Ford, he surprisingly drew 10 targets, but only managed four for 48. Kind of looking like Preston Williams' experiment may be over. He caught one target for 15 yards, and the same stat line as Mike Gusecki, so disappointing from those two men.
2: Yes, I had the displeasure of studying Preston Williams in one of my leagues, thinking that the Seattle secondary was going to give it up and give up points for the pass catches in Miami, but not to be. Anyway, on the defensive side for Seattle, there was also a shining light in the linebacker core, and it wasn't just Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is a fancy study; He's probably the number one linebacker in the IDP. I'm actually talking about KJ Wright, who is our IDP MVP for this week. He had eight tackles, one forced fumble and three pass defenses so he's also an inside linebacker like Bobby Wagner sitting next to the, the stud but in addition to getting tackles he also had some big plays so you like to see that from the inside linebackers
1: in our next game, we're going to highlight the team that faced the Seahawks last week, and there may not be a worse first-half team and a better fourth-quarter team in football right now than the Dallas Cowboys. So Browns led 31-14 to at half. Cowboys have broken the record for most first-half points allowed at Jerry World for the second time this season, according to NFL Network's Bobby Belt. First time they set this record was 29 points at half to the Falcons just two weeks ago, and now they p- allow, the, <clears throat> allow the Browns to put up 31. Sorry. Uh, Dak keeps slinging it though. He has to, uh, brings him back 41 to 38 with three minutes left, but ultimately they fall 49 to 38. Dak had to throw for 502 yards for this team to be competitive. Four touchdowns and it's still not enough. Did have a game intercept, ending interception, but I really just feel for this guy. He is just balling and the team around him isn't helping him. And Zeke was his usual self as well, 125 total yards, but Tony Pollard vultured a TD from him.
0: Jack, you you might be understating it by saying his team isn't helping him out. The the Cowboys stink right now. I mean, they they should be zero and four. Um, <laughs> this this team is a lot like my Sooners this year. They're all sizzle, no steak. I mean, I'm sure it's great for fantasy purposes and all, but if you're a Cowboys fan, you got to be pulling your hair out right now. And even I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I'm someone who has a lot of stock in Michael uh, Michael Gallup. And yet again, I feel like it's time to put out another APB on Michael Gallup. Yeah, he showed up today, two catches for 29 yards, but come on, man. Um, I think in the offseason, we were worried about C.D. Lamb being the one who's taking his targets. Yeah, C.D. is getting his own, but Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson got 10 targets, seven catches for 77 yards. So it's not just C.D. Lamb who's eating into Gallup's touches. It's it's the whole offense. It kind of seems like it's going away from Gallup, and that's really bumming me out, um, to be honest. It's so frustrating, too, because two catches, 29 yards, averaging
1: almost 20 yards per reception, and he has been all season, but the play's just, the volume's just not there. So frustrating, but on that CD note, he did look fantastic. Five for 79 and two scores. Mari Cooper also 12 for 134 with a touchdown. Wasn't just the Cowboys that were slinging it, though. Baker was on fire. Odell looked like he was primetime New York Odell. Had two touchdowns in the first half. Also had one from Jarvis Landry. That was beautiful. Ends the day with 81 yards and two scores on five receptions. But he also had two carries and 73 yards with a touchdown. 154 total on the day. Three scores. 33.4 fantasy points. And that's before we even add in his five receptions. What a day from OBJ.
0: I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Browns are, I mean, are pretty good. I mean, if you take away that game, the the, the first week loss to the Ravens, I mean, you know, everybody kind of looks bad against the Ravens unless you're the Chiefs. But I mean, I think the Browns are actually a pretty good team not, and fantasy and a real life NFL team. And so I'm just starting to wonder maybe the media, uh, you know, were we, we just off by a year with this team? Are they now, uh, you know, the 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 darling we were hoping for a year
2: ago? i got to say that on that point, Doc, the, the coaching change has made a difference. Kevin Stavansky has come in this season and he's given the offense confidence with his play calling. Baker Mayfield looks comfortable in the pocket. He stands up when he throws. And guys, they look like they want to be there now. And I love seeing that opening touchdown, that LSU connection between the two wide receivers, Landry and OBJ
1: really fun game for the passing offense but unfortunately nick chubb was rolled up on in his left leg exited the game and did not return so keep an eye on that i'm assuming he's going to have an mri tomorrow Ended the day with 43 yards on six carries so kareem hunt had to step in who we do know had the bad groin all week had 11 carries 71 yards and two touchdowns so great day for him but it wasn't just him who was rolling ernest johnston led the team 13 carries for 95 yards so this Brown's offense, much like Kevin Stefanski's Minnesota offense, doesn't matter who's running the ball; it is going to
0: roll, no doubt. Jack, this offense really seems like it's it's set up to be, uh, you know, um, fantasy relevant, regardless of who's playing back there. But you know, obviously, Dearness Johnson's got to be on your radar in dynasty, and also redraft uh, if you had Nick Chubb. But also, I think Dontrell Hilliard as well. He got five carries, nineteen yards. Not a whole lot, but I, I imagine if, if Chubb is to miss any significant time or or uh, next year going forward, we could see more of Hilliard or Johnson. Kind of figuring out which one to pick is going to be pretty tough, but I would be willing to take a risk on either one in Dynasty. Obviously, you're probably not going to be able to get Hunt at this point, but if you want to buy some cheap stock in the Browns while, it, while it's going up, maybe uh, Don, uh, Dontrell Hilliard or, or Dearness Johnson would be
2: both good pickups potentially. No doubt, and Cleveland—they're they're looking more like Cleveland every week. There, there's hope in that in that team that used to be a factory of sadness. And the defensive side of the ball, there was some performances of note. The IDP MVP is once again Mr. Miles Garrett, the defensive end. He had three tackles, which was including one tackle for loss, a forced fumble, one QB hit, and two sacks. That guy is a—he's a, a muscle on that defensive line.
1: Oh, he is just such a freak. He's so talented. Speaking of freaks, it was a freaking duel between the rookie and the vet. Tom Brady was missing Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette. And although he is the vet in the first half, he looked like the rookie, while Herbert looked like the vet in the first half. It was ridiculous. Chargers go up 21 to seven thanks to two Herbert touchdown dimes. And Brady throws a pick six. Really wild to see that. And then all of a sudden, you know, Brady starts creeping back in the second half. Herbert really looked like the vet for the entire game. Unfortunately, though, ended with a pick or ended the game with an interception. Earlier in the game, though, Herbert threw a dime to Jalen Guyton, went 80 yards for a touchdown, less than a minute to go in the fourth quarter, giving the Chargers 31 to 28. And Herbert had a perfect pass rating on that point but couldn't stay perfect because he did throw that pick that we talked about. Still ends up completing 80% of his passes on the day, 290 yards, three scores caught by Guyton, practice squad call-up Tyron Johnson, and XFL star Donald Pumphrey. Great day from all of those guys that no one really knows their names, and also kind of a quiet day from Keenan Allen, 8 for 62.
0: Yeah, it's just exciting to see Herbert. I mean, he really, he's the real deal. He's a good NFL quarterback already. And I think, you know, you you got to start considering him as a possible fantasy starter, just the way uh, he seems to be, you know, uh, picking up more and more responsibility each week. You know, I hate to see the interception to close out the game, but just his overall performance is exciting. Um, I don't really know how the Chargers could give the job back to Tyrod Taylor, obviously, unless there's some kind of pending lawsuit, then maybe legally they might have to, but Uh, if you picked up Herbert and Dynasty or picked him up and you know, maybe even been stashing away on redraft, you got to be pretty excited about uh his direction. Fully agree there. I have a
1: difficult time seeing them go back to Tyrod. Austin Eckler, though, did go down in the first quarter with a hamstring injury, which kept him out. So Joshua Kelly in his stead had nine carries for seven yards. Justin Jackson, six for nine yards, dominant bucks run defense. So that's gonna be something to monitor. I don't think that. Performance is indicative of Jackson or Kelly going forward, but it sounds like Austin Eckler is going to miss multiple weeks. He's going to get an MRI tomorrow to confirm not looking good for Eckler. So we do wish him a speedy recovery and our thoughts are with him. But on the other side of the ball, the vet Tom Brady did shake off those early struggles, finished the day with not one, not two, not three, not four, but five touchdowns with the one pick six, a very nice 369 yards. Mike Evans is a monster. What else can you say about him? Seven for 122 and a touchdown. Scotty Miller, also a monster, five for 83 and a touchdown. And OJ Howard looked like a monster too, three for 50 and a score, but he did left the game and did not return and it looks like he may be out for a while.
0: Oh man, I mean, it, you know, I, I can't believe you forgot uh the, the best performance of them all today. <sighs> I didn't forget. I, was- I I tried to forget, but Oh, okay. Oh, no credit where credit is due. Ronald Jones, I mean, had his had a hundred yard game, caught six passes. I mean, granted, it was only 17 yards, but really Brady was showing I like this guy. Uh, you know, I think I think that you might you you'll have a little uh you'll like this though, Jack. I I had an opportunity to play Ronald Jones today in one of my dynasty leagues. I put him in to start, but then I took him out because I really just wanted to play Calvin Ridley instead, even with the potential of him missing time. Um, You know, In the one game I should have played Ronald Jones, I didn't, so that really sucks. But it still feels good to be on the right side of history with this one. All of the Ronald Jones haters want it one way, but guess what? It's the other way. He's pretty decent. I can't really fault you
1: for starting Calvin Ridley over Ronald Jones, even though he did have a great day. But Calvin Ridley's Calvin Ridley. He's been on fire through two weeks. But keep an eye going forward, though, because, yeah, it was great for Ronald Jones this week. But don't sleep on Keyshawn Vaughn as well. He caught two balls, 22 yards, and a touchdown after LaShawn McCoy left the game. Could be a three-man committee now with Keyshawn Vaughn, the rookie, and Leonard
2: Fournette mixing in with
1: Ronald Jones.
2: Indeed. A little bit more clarity in the, the once murky backfield of Tampa Bay. Now, on the IDP side of the things, the MVP for this game goes to the Buccaneers linebacker Levante David. This fine gentleman had 11 tackles, including one tackle for loss and one pass defense. Now, he sits in the middle of the linebacker core, um, flanked by JPP and Shaq Barrett. A bit underrated, but if he's on your waivers, he's definitely worth a look.
1: For our next game, it's one that I was really excited about and it did not disappoint to the slightest. Teddy Two Gloves is back and better than Ever. Everyone was talking about how how Teddy was going to take the lead for the tank for Trevor, but Teddy's just too talented to let that transpire. Completed 70.3% of his 37 attempts, 276 yards, and a touchdown passes to Reggie Bonathon and Ian Thomas. Remember him? He was kind of a preseason sleeper guy that hasn't panned out to this point. But, anyways, there's more than just that. Teddy was moving on the ground as well. Six carries, 32 yards, and powered his way into the end zone for a rushing score as well. I, I told you all this team was going to surprise people and Teddy Bridgewater is amazing.
0: Yeah, Jack, you're you're right. I mean, this team is sneaky good, not just as a football as a, you know, real life fan a football team, but also fantasy. They've got some really good pieces with Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, and really anybody who's playing running back for this team has a lot of value. You know, Davis had 21 touches, 111 yards. Bonifant had 12 catches, 71 or 12 carries, I'm sorry, 71 and a score. Obviously, when McCaffrey comes back, he's going to take up most of that. But in terms of offenses that I'd like to, you know, buy stock in while it's cheap, I think the Panthers are one of those. You can get some really good deals on right now while uh, while most people are still unaware of how good they are. Especially too, DJ
1: Moore got a little banged up, so he had a quieter day. Quieter day, finished with four for forty nine yards. Curtis Samuel chipped in in his place, three for fifty one. But it was Robbie Anderson, really. That was just his usual baller self. Eight catches, ninety nine yards, and he is a must start if you didn't think he was already a must start which i told you on the friday show he was jason he is absolutely a must start now so highlights from panthers not the usual light show we expect to see from kyler murray though three touchdowns and completed 77.4 percent of his passes all fantastic but he just had 133 yards passing that's not great for a guy who was on fire for the first couple of weeks did add 78 yards on six carries but really a quiet day from him and hawkins ended up with seven receptions for 41 yards because of it, it just a weird day from the cardinals offense
0: yeah it really was jack and i think we can go ahead and put out our second apb of the night but this time it's going to be on kenyon drake i mean 13 carries 35 yards no catches for the day i mean yikes and this is with you know chase edmonds getting five catches for 24 yards in the score so uh, I don't know. It's it's really weird. The Cardinals' run game, and maybe it's just my perception, but it's been in general just seems sort of non-existent compared to last year. But it's just weird because they they are currently ranked as the seventh uh, you know highest team in terms of DVOA. So I just I wonder if it's just because the offense is kind of so Kyler centric right now. Maybe as the as they you know develop more chemistry and and the offense gets into a different flow, maybe we'll see an improvement uh, elsewhere uh, going down the road.
2: That's a good point you raised, Doctor, because. The Panthers, for the most part this season, they've been a a team that you can target when it comes to um, starting running backs against the Carolina Panthers. They seem to be the the team that you can punish a little bit. So it's surprising to see Edmonds and Drake have quiet days. In saying that, though, on the flip side, when it comes to defending Carolina rushes, that's still a goldmine in IDP. Now, I know Run-CMC is out for a few weeks, and we hope he makes a speedy recovery because we'd love to see him out on the field. But today's IDP MVP is linebacker Jordan Hicks from Arizona. He had 12 tackles, including three tackles for loss. So just remember, when it comes to going up against Carolina Carolina running backs, you want the I- linebackers in IDP. Those are the that's a, that's still a goldmine
1: fantastic advice you've been hyping that since the preseason and it's amazing that even though christian mccaffrey has fa- has fallen it's still true so just fantastic work by new wallace bruce and this is just the beginning we still have seven full games of football to recap for you i know you're excited i am too but before we get into all of that it is time to hear a word from at nonsense underscore steve steve bonham our boss and a word from our sponsors Uh, What a well-spoken gentleman that Steve is, and what a great boss, which is why I feel so bad for him that he's a Texans fan. Vikings led wall-to-wall on the back of Dalvin Cook, finished the day with 27 carries, 130 yards and two scores, also added in two receptions for 16 yards. But he did get dinged up in the fourth quarter, and that led to the Boise State running back, dropped in the middle of Minnesota, not missing his shot. The whole world sings for you, Alexander Madison, found his way into the end zone while Cook was out finished the, the day with 17 yards and a score. So Cook is fine. He'll be back next week to run out the clock. He came back in to run out the clock this game as well. And it looks like the Vikings might be back too. Kirk Cousins finished with 72.7% completion rate, 260 yards and a touchdown with no interception. So that was great from him. Adam Thielen caught eight for 10 targets for 114 and a score. Justin Jefferson caught four of five targets for 103 yards. And once again, Irv Smith did
0: nothing. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Jefferson. I mean, this is the second game in a row over 100 yards. He seems to be really just breaking out and emerging as one of their, uh, you know, their best pass catchers, obviously behind Thielen. And I'm just wondering, um, I'm starting to think maybe Jefferson might be the best wide receiver from that 2020 class. And if we were to go back and re-rank some of these players after four weeks right now, I'm feeling like Jefferson one, Lamb two, judy three iuke four i'm gonna go ahead and put chenault as five because i am love watching lavisca chenault play and then i'd probably put rager and ruggs on the back end of those but man i'm just really impressed with jefferson so far what do you what do you all think
2: yeah look um he is he's rising up the ranks each week and he's already supplanted mr bc johnson who we thought was going to be opposite um adam thielen in minnesota and he's he's just Staking, he's planting his flag and he's staking his claim. He's saying, Captain Cook, give me the ball. I'm ready.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I'm still rolling with Lamb as my dynasty wide receiver. One, he has just been so fantastic. Jefferson, probably my number two at this point. I had Rager, but we haven't seen enough from him. He's just too banged up. On the other side of the ball, though, Texans now Owen 4. Sean Watson did everything within his power to bring the Texans back from the dead. And I just feel terrible for the guy finished with 60.6 completion rate, 300 yards and two touchdowns, one to Will Fuller who was healthy and did pop off for six receptions, 108 yards in a score. And he also tossed one to Kenny stills who caught two for 39, but Jordan Aikens went down with a concussion. Randall Cobb had just 36 yards and Brandon cook zero receptions on three targets and oh yeah and the run game just non-existent as well 16 carries for 63 yards from david johnson four for 24 from duke and he's just got no help i feel so bad for him and they're gonna compete year in and year out because deshaun watson is so talented and he did sign that contract extension this off season but the guy just needs more so is it finally time to pull the plug on bill o'brien and get this guy some help
0: Oh, most definitely, Jack. I mean, I think so. Um, The bad thing, though, is even if they do get rid of Bill O'Brien and move on, the Texans will be very limited in how they can improve. Uh, They don't have a first or second round pick in in 2021. Uh, and obviously this year, you know, at 0-4, that first-round pick is starting to look really good, and they don't need a quarterback. So this is the year you would love to have that pick to be able to potentially trade it to a team who's in need of a quarterback. And just looking at the Texans' schedule, they still have to play the Colts twice, the Titans twice, they have the Pats, the Packers, and Bears still. Uh, I think this could be really ugly for this team. Even, even with Deshaun Watson just being Superman, I don't know if – uh with how with how limited uh support he has around him i just don't i don't think it's
2: enough i actually think deshaun watson could be wolverine uh, today watching the game i was just thinking of that meme where wolverine's sitting in bed he's stroking that uh picture frame and i'm just imagining deshaun watson doing that tonight he's got that picture frame of him and deandre hopkins and he just misses his guy because yeah he he needs help out there in saying that on the defensive side on a brighter note my idp mvp is actually from the houston side of the ball linebacker whitney merciless so he came through with four tackles including two tackles for loss three quarterback hits and two sacks so this is a very productive defenseman in a team that was a bit underwhelming let's hope
1: there are brighter things on the horizon for deshaun watson another quarterback who did need a rebound this week though lamar jackson needed it and it happened in a big Way through his first interception in the regular season since Week 14 against the Bills, which wasn't great, but he had 50-yard rushing touchdown, completed 66% of his passes, and had two touchdown strikes to Mark Andrews. So he's back. This Ravens offense is back. It was just an operation against the Chiefs, and Andrews finished with three catches, 57 yards, and those two scores. Hollywood Brown, four for 86. So yeah, fantastic day from the Ravens.
0: 15 career touchdowns now for Andrews. I mean, he is just, he just balls out. That dude knows how to find the end zone. Uh, him and Lamar have such good chemistry together. He is the premier pass catcher in Baltimore. So I'm starting to wonder from a dynasty perspective, are we sure it's not Mark Andrews who's the number one tight end in dynasty right now?
2: I, I can't disagree with that, Doctor, because this guy's been balling out for over a season now, and he's a converted wide receiver, which I love to see from my tight ends. So, yeah, I'd put him at number one dynasty for sure.
1: I I can't argue too much with our resident tight end experts. So, yeah, I don't have any objection with that. That still probably could be George Kittle because he is fantastic as well. We'll see how this game tonight goes. But yeah, fantastic from both those young tight ends. You absolutely love that. We don't love, though, it's a mess in the Ravens' backfield once again. Gus Edwards led the team with nine carries, only 38 yards. Ingram had one less carry and four less yards with eight carries, 34 yards. Did have a three-yard reception, but he was bailed out, and he was the fantasy winner because he had the rushing touchdown, one-yard touchdown to save his day. And then J.K. Dobbins, five carries for 16 yards and a one-yard reception. So mess in the Ravens' backfield, but on the other side of the ball – washington antonio gibson has arrived so he has four receptions 82 yards including a screen pass where he lined up out wide took it 40 plus inside the 10 yard line and then he also went on to lead the backfield with 13 carries 46 yards and had three carries inside the goal line. So w- love that work from him. I really do think there are big things to come from Antonio Gibson. And it was a better day from Dwayne Haskins than we expected as well. So he completed 71.1% of his attempts 314 yards and scary Terry 10 receptions 818 yards. So no touchdown passes from Haskins, which is in, which is disappointing. He did rush for one, and he had no picks. So against a pretty solid Ravens defense, this was an improvement from Haskins.
0: Yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning, though, that there was some rumor and innuendo swirling around that Haskins was going to be on a short leash this week um, and that Kyle Allen would be the next man up if Haskins were to you know falter and, and, and lose the job. But I don't think that Haskins did enough to lose the job today. I mean, no picks, as you said. But I think you know he's still going to be on that short leash for a while, and I think it's just something we need to keep an eye on going forward, as it could impact the players around him. But also, this team could potentially be another one of those teams who, depending on how things go, could very much be in the conversation to be tanking for Trevor Lawrence, you know, uh, Justin Fields, uh, Trey Lance, you know, whoever. You know, it could be it could be uh, a wide open race uh, with with DC, even though they're in first place right now in their division, they could easily be right in that conversation.
2: That's the thing. If a team is hitting the tank, if they looking forward to next year while they're still playing this year, that means there's a defensive opportunity in fantasy. So look to start your defensive and special teams against Washington going forward. I started Cleveland against them last week and I felt pretty good about it. They had a nice, nice day. And Miles Garrett also had a nice day as an IDP. And this week's IDP MVP is linebacker Matt Judon from Baltimore. He had four tackles, including two tackles for loss two sacks, five quarterback hits, and one pass defense. So this is a guy who was looking for Dwayne Haskins and met up with him a lot in the backfield.
1: Our next game is one that was just so classic, so upsetting, and just so wild all around. So the Detroit Lions took a 14-0 lead early in the first quarter, thanks to DeAndre Swift, who looks like he's the next Alvin Kamara, scored a nice touchdown on a very beautiful route and then breeze gets a bad pass picked up picked off by the lions and immediately kenny galladay scores but same old Lions. so they're up 14 nothing they go on to allow the saints to score 35 straight points lions start coming back though because of course it's the lions they always do scored 15 points brought it back to within six and the saints hold it up them off for the win 35 to 29 net is the final score so Wild out of the Lions. So classic and so disappointing. Breeze got the job done, completed 76% of his passes, 246 yards and two touchdowns, both to Trey Quan Smith. Finished the day with four receptions, 54 and those two scores. So we have been talking how this offense just needs that wide receiver too, to go along with Michael Thomas. And it could be Traquan Smith, or it could be Emmanuel Sanders, who also balled out six for 93 from Emmanuel Sanders. So that was great. Going to be very exciting to see this offense continue. And if they can prop up breeze, who's looking a little down at this point, point. Alvin Kamara also, usual self 17 touches three receptions 119 yards and a touchdown like wh- what else can you say except Kamari gms are actually gonna be really pissed when they look at this box score see latavius murray 14 carries, 64 yards and two scores so he vultured Kamari. he could have got, even had a better day and of, of course so this is because the saints were up for the entire game and that's really the only reason that this happened but I'm so sorry for you, Camara GMs. You're gonna have to settle for your 17.9 standard, 20.9 PPR points from Kamara. Boo hoo, poor, poor Camara owners. Uh, weird day for Matthew Stafford, though. Three touchdowns, 206 yards. completion percent and an interception. Kenny Galladay caught one of the scores for 62 yards on four grabs. DeAndre Swift had another and finished the day with four grabs for 30 yards. But again, he was out carried by Adrian Peterson, 11 to four. And Peterson had only 14 more yards, even though he had seven more carries. So shame on this Lions offense. They're mishandling this backfield incredibly.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, best thing to do after you, you know, pay a second round pick for a a guy like, um, Swift is go out and get Adrian Peterson, of course, and give him all the carries. That seems like the smart thing to do. But of um, course. Of course. <laughs> you know, in terms of looking for bright spots on the offense for Detroit or anything in Detroit right now, I mean, obviously Galladay is, Galladay is really nice to see, but I'm really enjoying seeing Hawkinson and Stafford uh, developing some chemistry. They started off on the right foot last season, but, you know, Stafford missed much of the year with, you know, injuries, and now kind of looks like they're picking up, picking up where they left off, and Hawkinson is – is, you know, his his uh, fantasy relevance is, is returning. Uh, he found the end zone today. Not a whole lot of action, but it's just good to see him get into the end zone again because he's one of those guys I was really high on in the offseason as a potential tight end that could take the next step. And I think as long as Stafford's healthy, I think that's still on the table.
2: Yes, Matthew Stafford needs to stay healthy for the sake of the Lions. Did you know that this is actually the sixth game in a row where Detroit have had a double-digit lead, double-digit point lead, and have gone on to lose? Interesting fact. Now you know. oh, that's so painful. Indeed, something less painful though is on the IDP side of things. And our IDP MVP for this game is defensive end Cam Jordan from the Saints. Now, this gentleman coming into the season and for the first two weeks, he had a bit of a slow start, and people were kind of going cool on him. But today, he bounced back. He had four tackles, one including one tackle for loss, one quarterback hit, and a sack. So. Here's the deal with defensive ends and defensive linemen in general. You want to pay attention to the pressure rate. I know PFF and other sites, they usually give you a percentage of in terms of the pressure rate for pass rushes. Pressure creates diamonds, and pressure often leads to big plays like sacks and pass defenses for defensive linemen. So just look after that. It's the same way that air yards and targets turn into receptions for wide receivers. something to look out for.
1: We're gonna move on from the mess that was that game thank you guys for finding some bright spots in it because it hurt me a lot i know a lot of lions fans and so that was just awful we're gonna cleanse our palette with something much better though Minshew mania versus joe exotic the bengal king two of the swaggiest young quarterbacks in the nfl number one overall pick out duels the sixth rounder but i think we can all agree that the world deserves a rematch between these two young guns fantastic showdown burrow completed 69.4 percent of his passes touched touchdown to joe mixon and he did have a pick as well but burrow just looks great
0: yeah he does jack i think there are two big takeaways from this game and, and obviously the, the big story is joe burrow getting his first win Um, And he does look great. He's had three consecutive games of 300 yards passing. Um, He really is the real deal as not only a NFL quarterback, but also a fantasy quarterback. But I think the, uh, the fantasy story of the day out of this game has to be the return of fighting Joe Mixon. He's back, 181 yards of total offense, three touchdowns. This is the Joe Mixon we were all... Uh, hoping uh, to see this year, myself included, having him in Dynasty. Uh, but I am wondering, though, with such a solid performance, is this the time that, that uh, people would mix in stock? Should we be selling while it is at a high uh, after this game?
1: Yeah, this would be the perfect time to try and move Mixon because he is coming off a completely dominant performance. But make sure you're getting an absolute haul for it because I think this might be just the beginning of Mixon mania getting rolling. Rounding out the day, though, Tyler Boyd caught seven of eight targets for 90 yards. He's really looking like the go-to guy there for Joe Burrow. But it's also starting to look like T. Higgins may have already passed A.J. Green in the favorite chart. So Higgins had seven targets. Green had five. Higgins had four catches, Green had one. Higgins had 77 yards and Green had three. So I was always assuming that Green was gonna re-sign with the Bengals. And now I'm kind of wondering if that's gonna happen. And Drew Sample also finished with five targets, caught three for 47. So nice day from the Bengals. But what do we think about AJ Green's future in Cincinnati?
0: I I think it's, he would be a, if I were the Bengals or if I was a team, um, you know, looking to contend, perhaps the Patriots or another team like that who needs help at wide receiver, I would be calling the Cincinnati Bengals and trying to buy uh, buy up A.J. Green's contract or trade for A.J. Green while the, while the stock is at, at a low point.
2: Yeah, I have to echo those sentiments there with um, the doc because even in the offseason, I thought that eventually Cincinnati were, were going to roll out an offense of Boyd, Higgins, Tate, and maybe even John Ross because he still exists. I feel like AJ Green could end up on something like the Patriots. They were rumored to be looking at Julio Jones during the last week, so AJ Green seems like a perfect fit for them.
1: On the other side, Gardner Minshew looked much more like himself than he did last week on Thursday Night Football. Completed 67.5% of his 40 attempts. 351 yards, two touchdowns, did throw a pick, but that's just what happens when you're a gunslinger like Gardner Minshew. Sometimes you're going to throw a pick. Brett Favre did it all the time. Most important thing, though, that we saw out of Jacksonville, Jay Gruden's new A.J. Green came back to life. And for all those who said that Gardner was going to spread the ball around too much and D.J. Chark wouldn't be the wide receiver one anymore, you're wrong. So he caught eight, tar- eight of his nine targets, 95 yards, and two red zone scores. DJ Chark, do 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 fantastic.
0: Yeah, no doubt, Jack. You'd love to see uh, see Chark getting involved. But I thought it was another sneaky good game out of LaVisca Chenault Jr. He had five catches for 86 yards. He had a carry for five yards. I mean, no, there's, there's nothing spectacular about that, but it just shows me the Jaguars are looking for ways to get this guy the ball, get it into his hands, and let him make Plays, but it's really cool to see that even with DJ Chark and the offense commanding a lot of the respect, a lot of the touches, uh, a lot of the receptions. um, You know, Laviska was able to find his uh, his own um, you know offense as well, and so I think when both of those guys are clicking, this offense can be one of the uh, better fantasy offenses to watch for
1: completely agree with that, especially because James Robinson, he remains good as well. He, despite not finding the end zone, he still had 21 touches, including four receptions, 107 total yards. So you'd love to see that out of the UDFA.
2: That is a nice box score indeed. And speaking of nice box scores, the IDP MVP is also on the Jacksonville side of the ball. It is safety Josh Jones, who had a very nice 11 tackle day. Now, Josh Jones was the next man up when Ronnie Harrison was traded to Cleveland at the start of the season. So his name may not be um, most recognizable in your league. So if he's on waivers, definitely worth a look.
1: All right, guys, I need to apologize, but this
2: game got to me. The war of the swagger, all of the
1: mania, it got to me. So I do need to take a break before we dive into this evening slate. So let's hear a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game.
3: That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and More or Less.
1: Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win.
3: So if I choose a three man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee, or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee.
1: Obviously you gotta go big or go home.
3: Then we've got rapid fire where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head to head matchups of statistical categories. Like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devonte Adams? Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward.
1: Yup, I only need to get 2 out of 3 matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get 5 out of 5, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money.
3: You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given 2-6 to players and their statistic target, For that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number.
1: Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve. You can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys.
3: Well. The only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free.
1: I do love free.
3: Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code Nonsense and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50.
1: This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code Nonsense and get in on the action this weekend. All right. So with that, we have now wrapped up all the games that kicked off at one o'clock Eastern and we roll into the evening slate and we kick things off with the Bills and the Bills defeated the Raiders 30 to 23. Once again, the story of the day though, Josh Allen, although this was the first time this season, he didn't top 300 yards passing, came in just shy at 288, still completed 70.6% of his passes, had t- passing touchdowns with Cole Beasley. He had just three for 32 and Gabriel Davis who had a 26 yarder, which was his only catch and Allen brushing touchdown as well. Classic Allen, although he did finish with negative one yards rushing, which was kind of weird, but anyways, his pot- weapons in the passing game Diggs led the way with six receptions 115 yards john brown popped in with a little four for 42 and devin singletary turned 23 touches into 76 in a score we did expect more from him with zach moss being out but still solid enough you know
0: yeah, it was a really solid day all around for the Bills offense. But, I, you know, this is just a good team. I mean, they're they're finding ways to win in different situations against different styles of teams. They're grinding it out. They're shooting it out. It's really fun to watch. And I can't believe we live in a world right now where the Bills and the Browns are probably both good teams. Uh, it's just kind of unsettling. But um, my concern, though, is from uh, Josh Jacobs on the other side of things, just another quiet game for him, 48 yards on the ground, twenty five yards uh, on three receptions is nice, but not finding the end zone, not having a hundred yard game, should I be worried about Josh Jacobs?
2: I feel like this was a quiet game for him, but that's not so not necessarily on him as much as what he was coming up against. Now I had I watched this game a bit closer than the other ones and Las Vegas, uh they were running into a blue wall. It was it was a concerted effort to stop Josh Jacobs in the run game today and the M V P is a guy we're gonna i'm gonna talk about later but everyone was just that was their job just stop jj from getting yardage
1: i don't think it helped either that the raiders were down for most of the game so they couldn't run things the way they wanted to on offense so josh jacobs finishes with just 15 carries you know gruden wants to get him 20 25 plus 48 yards although he did add three receptions for 25 yards Not what you want from Josh Jacobs, though. And Derek Carr, another solid day, completed 72.7% of his attempts, 311 yards and two scores, but Once again, just like last week, it felt like the Raiders needed more out of Carr. And once again, he just couldn't deliver. So it does hurt that he didn't have Ruggs and Brian Edwards. But still, so Darren Waller, only one who really mattered in this game. Nine receptions for 85 yards. And then Hunter Renfro, uninspiring five for 57. And then the two touchdowns that he threw, Nelson Aguilar and Jason Witten. So those scores don't help anybody.
2: Nope, not at all. It also doesn't help that Mr. Waller had a fumble from uh, Josh Norman late in the game. Now, staying on the defensive side, I the MVP I was alluding to before, it is none other than linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. He is a stud in IDP. You can count on him to get double-digit tackles almost every week, and today was no different. He came through with 12 tackles. So, what's the takeaway from this? Similar to our friends in Carolina, when you come up against Las Vegas, you know, get your IDP linebackers that are going off against Josh Jacobs because, as Jack said, Gruden wants to get this guy 20 to 25 tackles. So you want IDP guys who are going to be stopping this guy 20 to 25 times. It's a gold mine.
1: Our next contest, Big Richard Nick Foles made his first start for the Chicago Bears. And it wasn't really much of an upgrade over Trubisky, if I'm going to be honest. And the Bears suffered their first loss of the season, so kind of embarrassing there. Completed 61.9 percent of his 42 attempts, only 249 yards, and one score, which came on the final drive to go with a pick in the earlier in the game. There is one man we care about though on this team, and that one man is the only person who produced. Allen Robinson caught seven of his ten targets, 101 yards in a score, and that's all we need out of the Bears. I don't care about anything else on the Bears' offense get alan robinson 10 targets and we're good to go so eat it jason he was amazing jimmy grant sucked he went back down to four receptions for 33 yards david montgomery also terrible as well 27 yards on 10 carries 30 yards on three receptions yuck
0: hey not so fast jack we can't move past the bears quite yet because we were lucky enough to get another darnell mooney mooning mooney sighting sorry uh you know caught five for 52 on nine targets you know that's nothing great, but the nine targets is exciting because I think the Bears are realizing this guy is really fast. He's good when we get him the ball. We got to find out, find more ways to do so. He is as second on the team uh, and targets so that you'd love to see that. Um, but, you know, weirdly enough, the Colts are just are good, especially on defense. They are a legit team. Uh, playoff contender uh, which is really weird because I, I so far have not been impressed with Philip Rivers and I'm just waiting for him to turn back into a pumpkin uh, and this this uh, you know this uh, dream fairy tale to end
1: <laughs> well the thing about Rivers is he is a pumpkin he is a pumpkin now he's been a pumpkin all season but thankfully because his offensive line is so good and Frank Ruck. Rark- Frank Reich is smart enough. It doesn't matter that much. And the defense playing the way it has definitely doesn't help either. So Rivers completed just 55.2% of his passes, only 190 yards and just one touchdown did go to Mo Cox. Love to see that out of him showing up again. But that was... Max only catch of the day. So that was disappointing. Colts just kind of played it slow in general, though. Jonathan touched down Taylor, 18 touches and 79 yards, but he didn't have a score this week. Naheem Hines had 12 touches for 32. And even Jordan Wilkins, 10 touches for 16 yards. So Colts just kind of toyed with the Bears for four quarters and just kind of let the running backs run the show and just short gain, short gain, short game. And it led to nothing from the fantasy receivers. Three for 58 was the best day out of Zach Pascal, eight targets. And T. Y. Hilton, ugh, just three for 29. He is he's. I don't know. I I don't know. We do we have to cut T. Y. Hilton? I hate to say it, but do we have to?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that is, um, unfortunately, it's it's one of those big names that, you know, I'm sure that fantasy players, as soon as they, when they go to drop, you know, they're making that drop, I mean, they're probably going to have to do a double take because you would think it's T.Y. Hilton. Why would I, why would I cut him? But I just think the evidence, you know, um, it's what we know, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's really not what we know, but it's what we can prove. And right now we can prove T.Y. Hilton's just not very good.
2: Yeah, he's been a fantasy seven for so long, he's helped us to the playoffs and, in some cases championships for so many years so it's sad to see him decline like this will be at least be phased out of the offense a little bit so hopefully we'll get one or two better days out of him but if you have to cut bait i get it the, the bye weeks are here so you can't be cute with your bench from now on especially with games being postponed and whatnot um in saying that though um i wanted to talk about the idp mvp of this game and it is linebacker roquan smith from chicago he came through with 13 tackles, including three tackles for loss. So again, this is a, a a defense that benefited from a heavy run game. And you want to take advantage of that in the MVP.
1: And this is going to bring us to our final game of the Sunday recap. And we have Giants-Rams. And this game was, if, like, if the last game was slow, this game was just so meat, like, didn't move at all. Rams grinded out the 17-9 to win. Really, no one mattered on either team, though. It was just so disappointing. Jared Goff, 200 yards and a touchdown, and that did go to Cooper Cup, so he he had a nice 69 yards on five receptions with that score. And he's the only one that actually mattered on either team. So when we look at everyone else, Malcolm Brown stole the job back from Darrell Henderson infuriating Brown had nine carries, 37 yards, five receptions though, 19 yards, didn't do anything with his touches and neither did Henderson. He had eight carries and just 22 yards and a 16 yard reception. So this ugly backfield is just so much uglier. McVay's just making terrible decisions with his coaching and deciding to give Malcolm Brown touches when he doesn't need to. And it's going to be even worse once they bring Cam Akers back because they're going to mix him in as well, and no one's going to get rolling. And finally for the Rams, Robert Woods, 6 for 35. So absolute snooze fest for LA. And even worse for the Giants, Daniel Jones, woof, Completed 64.9% of his passes, 190 yards and an interception. No, no scores, no rushing score, no passing score. Added 45 yards rushing, and that was it. Pass catchers all sucked. Darius Slayton, three for 48 on seven targets. And then his next two receivers that led the team, Evan Ingram and Devonta Freeman had 35. It, at least Freeman did his job by catching all four of his targets. But Evan Ingram, it took him 10 targets and six receptions just to get 35 freaking yards. I mean, Ah, infuriating. I mean, so just to finish things up, though, ground, Wayne Gallman 45 yards on six carries, and Freeman, 33 yards on 11. This team is comically bad at this point, and I hate it.
2: Yeah, the Giants are looking bad. The Jets aren't probably looking much better, but there is hope for the people in New York City. I've got hope for you. The Yankees are in the playoffs, and they play Tampa Bay. Okay, well, I'm a Yankee fan. Anyway, there was a bright light for the New York football Giants, and that was in idp and that was once again idp mvp for a second week blake martinez he had 13 tackles one three including one tackle for loss double digit tackles you love to see it
1: and that's going to do it from all of our recaps. And so just one final note, we are at halftime of the Eagles versus 49ers game. Eight to seven lead for the Eagles, which is just par for the course. Carson Wentz rushing score and an interception in the first half, which is just so typical Wentz at this point. And on the other side of the ball, Brandon Iyuk is a future star. 38-yard rushing score where he, where he hurdled safety Marcus Epps. I hate hurdles. I absolutely do. But if you can do it and not even be touched like, Brandon, I, do it I'm amazing. And so he's probably going to keep trying it now and others are going to be inspired by it. And it's going to lead to a lot of bad things, which I always hate because hurdles almost never work, but I digress. Brandon, I, you, you go, sir and that's going to do it for us here on the important nonsense podcast it was an amazing day of football and now we have a monday night double header starring the patriots versus chiefs and the falcons versus the packers so much excitement in the world of football it's genuinely hard to end this podcast sometimes because really i could talk to you gentlemen for hours about fantasy football just the endless knowledge i get from talking to you two. but unfortunately all good things do have to come to an end. So Nee, do you have any parting words for all your loving fans out there? And do you have any bold predictions for Monday Night Football?
2: Hey, we've got another double helping of Monday Night Football. Plus, this time around, we have four teams that can explode offensively when they have the ball in their hands. Therein lies the opportunity for some of you fantasy gamers. Now, if you read my article last week on importantnonsense.com, you would have noted that one fantasy veteran move you can make each week is to pick up a handcuff or upside player that is in the Monday Night Football game because of some leagues they allow for roster movements before Monday Night Football. So I did that two weeks ago and I picked up Trecon Smith and my boxers look much better for it in, a, in subsequent weeks. Also, I know this week's been, um, it's been a bit in flux. We've seen games shifted around due to COVID on top of significant injuries, but don't lose hope. This is the season where we constantly need to be turning our ventures to be successful. So make sure you stay on top of your waiver wires and enjoy bi-week season.
1: So don't forget to follow Nee on Instagram at TheRealNWB and be sure to follow along with all of his content over on ImportantNonsense.com and on all of the socials at NonsenseFF. You really don't want to miss a word that he says, whether spoken, written, whatever. Nee Wallace-Bruce, you do us all so much help in the IDP world. Hats off to you, sir. And honestly, I could translate that statement at one per one and just replace Dr. Dynasty's name with Nee Wallace-Bruce. and it applies well, John, fantastic work as always. Do you have any parting grains of wisdom to bestow upon all of your hangers on out there? Or do you have any fire takes as we head into our Monday night doubleheader?
0: Well, you're too kind, Jack. I kind of want to mi- uh, mirror what Nee said and, and give a specific recommendation. I, you know, if you can. Uh, I would recommend grabbing Brian Hill off the waivers. I went ahead and picked him up in a dynasty league. He's a guy I wrote about two weeks ago who I think there's a possibility. He could be the Atlanta uh, starting running back next year with uh, Todd Gurley only being under contract for a year. Uh, So maybe worth the consideration. You can probably get him pretty cheap. But uh, beyond that, I think general advice. I mean, October is here. Uh, So I think October football is here. We're now officially out of what would probably be the preseason for many teams. Uh, You know, um, those first four weeks are kind of like the preseason since we didn't actually have a preseason. But um, the season, remember, it happens in chunks. Right now, we've made it through part one. Uh, pat yourself on the back. That's great. But remember, this season is a marathon, not a sprint. And ultimately, I think we have to be careful and not get too complacent. Forget all the things you've learned so far. Um, this season, I think more than any other season in the past, is really not about what you know, but what you can prove. Um, and every single one of us out there playing fantasy, you know we have all the same access to information. Uh, but as team managers, the ones who are going to be successful this year, especially during this crazy year are gonna be the ones who can see through the static. You can distinguish between the signal and the noise and make good decisions on the waiver wire. Uh, That's how I think you're gonna be hoisting your championship trophy in the off season.
1: And so be sure to follow John over on Twitter at Dynasty PhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC because you need to be taking advantage of all this information spewed from this man's brain. What he just said right there, that's not even the tip of it. These two are just very smart men and it is a pleasure for me to work with them. So as always, I have been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Cavanaugh, and it has been truly delightful to guide you through week four's goings on. And if you've enjoyed yourself, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review. It really does help us out. And if you didn't enjoy the podcast, I'm very sorry. My sincerest apologies. Please direct all of your complaints to our support department at ThatFFNerd. Jason will be more than happy to deal with each and every complaint that you have. So other than that, make sure you tune in the, later this week to the Big Boss Show with at Nonsense underscore Steve and at Nonsense underscore Neil. Stay safe, enjoy Monday Night Football, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense.
0: Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at ImportantNonsense.com. Kaboom!